Hi, everyone. You're listening to In the Open, a podcast by Mental Health America, where we talk all things mental health related. Hi, everybody. It's America. We're back for another episode of In the Open. And Teresa's here with me, of course. Hi. Hello. So today we are going to talk about how to deal with being ghosted. And actually, this comes from a suggestion that we had from one of our listeners named Melanie. So Melanie, this is something hopefully that it helps you and others out there because you're not alone in feeling this way. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how you actually like break up with people and kind of what the feelings are attached to that. So this is the other side of it, right? Like what happens when people kind of break up or in many cases just disappear from your life. They ghost you, right? And uh, you're left with all your feelings. I want to say one of the things that comes to mind specifically is that ghosting for me is something that has happened a lot. Um, But the actual term for this process is called ambiguous loss because there's actually like no closure that is received by either person on one of the other sides, right? So, Teresa, you ever been ghosted, yo? <laughs> well, so it was when you brought the topic up, I was like, you know, I thought about grief. Yeah. When 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 someone dies unexpectedly and you were like, yeah, no, that's not the same. <laughs> yeah, no. So this person has to be alive, like you just know that this the relationship was severed and this person exists in the world, but you don't have any explanation for why the relationship has ended. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. You okay. probably have an inkling, maybe an inkling, but nobody ever came to me and was like, hey, by the way, I'm no longer going to talk to you because of X reason. You yeah. Know, they just. I mean, when we were young, this was like around the frame of like rejection, you know, like how are you rejected? When you were young? What? What do you mean? That's me today. <laughs> No, but being ghosted is a new term. Yes, yes. I feel like ghosting, ghosting was formed as the term for how we reject people. Yes. In a particular way. But when I was thinking about this, I was like, okay, this reminds me of just like literally all the times I was rejected. Yeah, dude. And I mean, that's, I think, the feeling that comes from this experience where you have to ask yourself, once somebody ghost you in some way it's like what did I do and you do feel rejected yeah it's oh god you know and all this stuff online is just like it's like people aren't where you are because when you're rejected or ghosted you just need to sit with how much that sucks yeah and so much of the stuff online is like on the recovery side where they jump too quickly to like you can be fine (laughs) Yeah, no. But I'm like, no, I I need to eat 50 egg sandwiches (laughs) (laughs) and process this. I know. I've I've developed some weird habits, (laughs) some rituals. (laughs) You know what it makes me think of, though, babe? It's this idea of too often people are like, yeah, I mean, you just get over it. It's not a big deal. But when you sit in this feeling of, Like you're not really certain what happened because nobody ever gave you kind of closure or clarity to be like, hey, this is what I'm deciding. Yeah. Um, Then you have to figure out what that looks like and make determination for yourself. So that's kind of where I'm at. 
I have to really work my brain to go back to that space because I think in the episode of of um how to break up with toxic relationships, like for for me, 2020 was about some of that cleansing. <laughs> so I have to step back from how visceral it feels to be that person on that side to go back to step into that role. So I just need to acknowledge to our listeners like that if things feel clunky, that's because this feeling of being on the other end of it is a bit far away, but also not because in any breakup of a relationship, you have the person who breaks up and you have the person who was broken up to. And, and it's not ever clean, right? Like the person who does the breaking up might feel bad. And the person who is broke, who someone left you, you also feel bad. And it's because the end of a relationship is just sad. Like, even if it was messy, it's still sad. Yes, there's an emotion of sadness tied to it. And I think in many ways you go through a grieving process because Mm -hmm. you're managing your expectations of what you thought it was going to be, what it isn't, what it didn't end up being, and then thinking about that. But I think that feeling of loss is even multiplied when you don't have that. You don't have any answers and you're just left wondering on your own, like what the hell happened? The what ifs or what was oh, God, the yeah. what happened? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, but that um, is what that feels like. It's like what happened? Like what? Yes. What? And it's exactly in that tone. What happened? Also, just what, but also that devastating feeling in your heart depending on how deep the relationship was. So now I'm going back and I'm like, oh, really deep relationships where you're like, what happened? You're like, there's a bit of feeling gaslit where you're like, well, was it not as special as I thought it was? You know, (laughs) which is like so sad. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to cry right now. Yeah, dude, I totally feel that. I feel that in like in the pit of my stomach and I feel that in my heart where you're like, dude, I thought it was special. Why Why wasn't it? Why didn't this person see it as such? And because you can't go to this person and ask, yeah, then it's that what if. So based on your face, but because people can't see us, I know that there's a connection here for you. And I know that I have a connection to this very, very deeply. I suppressed it, America. <laughs> I don't know why I feel this feeling. Can't pull out a specific event right now, but I can tell that I'm going to cry. So yeah, I I can tell you specific moments and it's sad. Like it makes me sad to even think about, but I'm going to tell you because I think it's really important. There's a person in my life that I love to death. They had a huge like space for me. They had a huge like presence in my life when I was in college and slowly over time, we just kind of started diverting in different directions and little by little, you know, a month would pass and maybe a year. And now I haven't talked to them in maybe I want to say three years. And I think about them often and I ask myself, I wonder how they are. Yeah. But then I don't, I don't do anything with that because in this particular space, I feel the relationship had ended up being one-sided coming from me and and showing interest in having a relationship. 
Yeah. This was a friend. It wasn't, a, uh, you know, like um, like a romantic relationship. This was a friend. Yeah. And it sucks because I would love for them to be involved with my life and know what's going on with my life now. But I know that in the end, it's on them to figure out how they want to be in my life. And they've made that decision to not be. I call it the slow boil, like the slowly losing of a friend as you diverge in your life paths. And you you want your relationship to stay the way it was, but it's not. Yeah. And it sounds like at some point it got completely severed and it doesn't feel natural to come back to it. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. No, when you were saying that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I have friends, friendship relationships where you're – you have – you're those are like those distant friends, you know? But have you had one where you had a really good best friend and then suddenly they were gone? This kind of fits into that. That happened? That, 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 yeah. It happened that suddenly? Because I think I, that's, I, the, that's the bigger assault, right? It's like yeah. when you're so, yeah. so tight yeah, and then you're like, boom, gone. Yeah. Was it a move? No, it was not a move. Um, it was just... Oh man, you know what it what comes to mind? Because of course everybody knows me by now that I just have to visualize. It's like you know when you pull something apart and it's like thready, and the threads are attached, 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 and then finally they pull apart. It was like that. It was a slow thing that inevitably was was just disintegrated because it couldn't hold on anymore. And I made the decision to also let it be. Mm-hmm. But silly putty, you know how with silly putty, you can have a breakup that's slow and then it and then you know how with silly putty you can pull it and it like slowly disintegrates. But if you pull it fast, it snaps. It snaps. Yeah. That yeah. was like that. So snapping relationship ends are harder because you're like, you don't have any of that time to just process and justify or make sense of the bad and the good and the ugly to grieve. Oh, so you're just left with like why? Dude, um, I'm going to say this. Melanie, I hope you're listening, dude, because you, you I hope you're processing with us. Um, you know, I've had that also relationship where it's just snap, boom, gone. And I'm like, what? Wait, what? And that was truly ghosted. No further communication, nothing. And then I for, have ever wondered, dude, why didn't you just tell me whatever you were feeling? Yeah. Okay. So my two memories that came to mind as you started processing and I'm unearthing. Oh, this is really hard. When I was in the third grade, my mom and dad sent me away to go live with someone else because we lived in a really dangerous neighborhood. And in my small pea brain, I knew why they were sending me away. This is so hard. This is why I'm crying because I don't think I've ever processed this. It's like I knew intellectually in my head that like, oh, we can't stay here because there's like gun violence or whatever. But in my my brain where I like wanted my parents, you know, I was like, why can't I live with them? Yeah. This is what like immigrant children feel, I'm sure. Which is weird because I know my parents existed, but I saw them like a couple times a year. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that like, what if? Okay, so that's way deep. Sorry. No, dude, that's like, oh, man, I feel you. I feel when you talk about that. 
sorry, I'm like all crying. You sometimes don't think about like how these kinds of events, like, cause you, you, the way that you respond, you're like, okay, I'm going to be strong. You know, I totally get it. Like whatever life happens or whatever, you're trying to be strong, but we don't have a society that just like lets you sit with how sad that is. Like mm-hmm. I probably as a little kid wanted somebody to hold me and be like, poor baby, you know, like, it is sad, but instead it's like, why are you sad? Look at this place you have now. It's in a house that's safe and not in a dangerous neighborhood, you know? And that like communicates to me that I shouldn't feel sad. And then I'm 40 yeah. years old, never even thinking about it. But that's the intellectual side of it, right? It's not the it's not the emotional side to it because I know in, in my family, I've had, I was blessed that my parents and I and my brother we immigrated together, you know, here to the United yeah. States. But there are so many instances where people were raised by aunties, grandmas, and they they didn't see their parents. Right. You know, exactly. Yeah. And I, I, that's how that feeling feels. But yeah. it's 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 sort of similar to like, okay, then the other thing I was thinking of was just like, it's like dating. Like that's the simplest action, right? Like you pour so much emotional labor into a relationship where you're dating a person and you think that it's going very well. Yeah, you're vibing and, and all that. And yeah. that is when they like actually literally ghost you. And then you're like, I made up a relationship <laughs> that didn't exist. <laughs> Oh, man. You know, when you speak about it like that, like, that's like a spectrum, you know, like that what we, we what we've talked about is really exists on this entire spectrum of relationships. And like, I've also done that what you've said, prior to me being in the relationship that I am, um, you know, dating and all that. It's like, we are we're talking to one another, everything's going well, we're hanging out. And then my number's blocked. The number doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> oh, God, we're laughing because it's so painful. Yes. And you're like, what? What happened? Did I dial the wrong number? What happened? Did I text the wrong number? And then, nope, nothing. I do think that that's why in the in – so we as a society are pretty used to being ghosted in relationships. So I think we develop safeguards or like frames that we can use when we're broken up with <laughs> to justify that. But a best friend or a very close friendship that suddenly gets severed, we that's where we are not good at. Because I think there's a lot of shame put on the person where if if your friend leaves you – so much of the frame was like, well, you must have been a bad friend or you think that. But, you know, the other side of it is if we OK, we talked about the breaking up piece, right, where where we have to make the decision if this is a relationship we want to be in and all that. And one of the things we said was, you know, if you can have a conversation, if you can't, yeah. you got to do what you got to do. And so if we put that frame into the conversation today, right, it's like, I think a lot of times people may, may, may feel like ghosting is a, is a cop out, right? Like, um, the person is a coward and not being able to like face the situation or whatever. But I don't know that that's always the case. Maybe they just don't have the capacity to be able to actually manage or maybe they breakup. were telling you ways that they were going to break up with you or create distance. And you didn't pay attention. We, we aren't always listening either, right? Like yeah. yeah, the warning signs may have been there. Maybe they pushed back on something that 
we don't agree with or whatever. Have you ever had a situation where somebody broke up with you and you started to stalk them? I say stalk, but you know, you're like, I'm not, I cannot give into this idea that you would just cut off. So I need to send you emails, voicemails, force you to talk to me and explain why this is happening to us. I didn't, I've never gone that route. I have gone the route of looking them up, trying to see what's going on in their life and then doing nothing with it. Yeah. You know, and just be like, oh, I still, you're, I still see you're alive. (laughs) You're existing, but not with me. Um, And I don't know if that's more damaging to do that or not. I, I don't know. Oh, I think I think like face. I think that social media stalking is pretty normal. I think that's like part of the grief. I definitely. The key is how to do it incognito. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! Okay. Also, I also struggle with like you know when it happens and you're like, oh, I'm being a weird. I'm being especially stalkish. Do I tell anybody about my stalkish behavior? Because that's the added shame where somebody was like, dude, you need to have just breaking up with that relationship. Why are you still holding on to it like that? Yeah. And that's the, yeah, that's yeah. the fear you get when you, you, you know that you haven't let go and you're just in that space. But somebody, you know, like, who do you lament with to share like, oh, yeah, I'm totally doing that thing. <laughs> yeah. I also have this thing where um, when I've done that, I will go to my friends and be like, yo, I did something. And they're like, oh, I got to tell you guys because you got to tell me, you know? And then they're like, okay, what'd you do? And then I'm like, I look this person up. They're like, man, why did you do that for? Okay. So looking that person up does typically precede when I do, like, if I ever was going to write someone, like a yeah. DM or call them, typically it's either, well, this is back in the day because we didn't have the DMs. Was like calling someone and re- leaving like a very awkward message, like "Hey, we haven't talked forever," and they still don't call you back, and you're like, "Damn, yeah. <laughs> shame, <laughs> rejection." <laughs> I I remember doing that. I had done that, and then I made the decision. I was like, "All right, dude, you've sent out flares. Yeah. Nobody's paying attention. You gotta let it be." Yeah. And and you just got to accept this. As much as it hurts, just let it go. That is where you eventually get. Yeah. And the, and then time will heal wounds. It's okay. So going back to the egg sandwich, you know, after being rejected a couple times, there was one event where uh, post rejection, I was sitting with my sister and she made me an egg sandwich and I ate it while I was crying, you know. And it was so comforting that I was that now I've like have this ritual where every you have time this I feel relationship rejected, with it. I, yeah. I have to go eat an egg sandwich. And every time I eat an egg sandwich, I'm also like I remember the feeling of feeling comforted, which like I don't think I know like my sister knows that that's what she did for me, you know. But building in rituals like that did help. That's funny because I I do that with um I used to do that with a friend of mine who's no longer my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so awful oh man this is great um yeah because what we would do is like we like when we would just hang out and then we would have chicken soup Mm -hmm. and it it is that feeling of comfort 
And you're right. Every time I have chicken soup, I think of her. I think of this friend of mine. It's like, oh, that's nice. It is a different – I feel like what the relationship that I have with with the rituals tells me where I am in the grief process because you could eat your chicken soup and be like super cryy or you could eat your chicken soup and be like, oh, you know, that was sad, but it's also okay. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Getting to acceptance. Let me tell you something though. When you think about this process, because it really is that process, I go back to this feeling of complete lack of control of managing the relationship, right? Where managing expectations, managing the relationship in some way. And where, you know, that snap done, this relationship no longer exists. Mm-hmm. There are times even to till today where I'm like, I wonder what happened there. Did I really do something? Mm-hmm. Was I not open enough to hear what they needed? And it's what you're saying. You know, you ask questions like, did they send out flares and signs and I was like totally oblivious? Am I too um, self-centered to mm-hmm. have paid attention to whatever they needed? And then I'm like, yeah, but I don't think so. And then I've asked people, you know, like, if this is what happened, tell me what you think, you know. I always walk away thinking like, I think I did what I did because I was okay. The lack you know? of closure that's the that's specific to ambiguous loss because there is no closure. You're really left with a whole period of why questions hmm. and you say control, and I think it is that because control helps us to feel safe. Mm-hmm. And when something gets severed like that, it just feels so unsafe, so vulnerable. Because I think it also ties to your identity and your self-worth, which already feels tenuous or or like on shaky grounds in your life at times. So when you especially go through a loss, when you're not feeling confident about your self-worth and identity, then you're especially at risk for like falling into those traps where you ask why and, and then take on that shame or blame about, well, it must be because of something I did. Versus yeah. versus maybe being able to step back and just saying maybe it wasn't meant to be or like what do you what are your like phrases that you eventually get to that signify like oh this is where what acceptance looks like like they got their own stuff going on yo maybe you don't know everything mm-hmm. you know the one that comes to mind and I and I do and I do really like grasp onto this is there's variations of it online, but it's the idea of like seasons, you know, like somebody comes into your life for a season and then goes out. And in, in all of these relationships that I, that I bring to this particular conversation, these people were definitively part of my life at different times in my life. And they had a very distinct role that they played. Oh, shoot. You're totally reminding me of friendships. Yes. (laughs) I was that friend who was like, well, why, you know, why blah, 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 chasing after a person. And I remember this person coming and looking at me and being like, dude, people come in and out of your life for certain reasons and then they move on. Okay. (laughs) I was like, oh, shoot. You know, I know what she was saying was true, but it took a process for me to accept yeah. that it was okay that that's true. You know, I've also had friends who who hold on 
to these relationships that don't have, maybe at some point they had meaning, okay? Mm-hmm. And then slowly they are like being, they're thinner and thinner, right? Because they're being pulled apart. And for some reason, it's very hard to just let it go, mm-hmm. probably because of the emotional aspect of it. But it also goes back to this, right? Because then you're having to make a decision to whether accept it or not when the relationship just fizzles out. Or isn't response responding the way that you you want it to. Because like yeah. maybe you're like, can we go out to dinner? Can we go out to dinner? And the person is just like, well, you know, I'm not sure if I can. And they don't even give you a date when. They're just like, eh, <laughs> not sure. Thanks, thanks, COVID. I don't ever have to make that excuse. Again. <laughs> it's like, sorry, no social distancing. <laughs> So Teresa and I are now going to go, we're going to now go back to think about all these relationships that we have been left at pause, (laughs) no longer moving forward. But it's such an, I think this is, this is a really good conversation because nobody ever has it. I've never heard any, anything related to this. And I think it's very useful. We went through all the emotions, I think, in this one podcast. Yeah. Denial. Are we sure it happened? <laughs> maybe. Maybe we can figure out how to make it work. <laughs> Bargaining. <laughs> you know, anger, sadness. <laughs> yeah. And we did eventually get to acceptance. <laughs> yeah. I guess, what are some closing thoughts? Well, you know, it's so interesting because we have had different words for this experience. And I do think that a lot of psychology is around giving names to something to describe our experiences. So it's interesting for me that back in the day it was called like, oh, you were rejected. And then it was being ghosted and an ambiguous loss. And I don't I don't know. You know, we're trying to give shape to our experiences. Because when you do that, when you pay attention to them, then you can honor that space instead of what society tells you to do, which is to get over it. And to me, that's my big takeaway. It's like, oh, this is the realm of those experiences that we could just gloss over. But if you don't, then you can be in that space and honor the sadness and in doing so actually feel better in the end. Yeah. You know what I I walk away with and I hope? It's helpful in some way to folks. Whenever these people come into my mind, and I'm a and I'm a, and I'm a person that's like very tied to like energies and all this stuff. Okay, like I'm a little woo woo. I know that I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I end up doing is just like putting it out into the world. It's like I hope you're doing okay. That's all I can mm-hmm. wish for you, dude. I'm I'm letting it go. I've accepted it. I just hope you're okay. Oh, that's so cute and nice. <laughs> I don't know that it's, I don't know that I would consider it cute. I think it's, it's, um, I think it's doing what you're saying, honoring, honoring whatever it was that that person meant to you at that point in your life. But you're putting that into the universe, which yeah. I love too, because I do, you know, that act itself is for yourself as much as it's for the energy that you give into the universe. Yeah. 
I guess I get this is horrible because now I'm going back to the very beginning. But I my my suppression and denials coping skills are so strong. Like you forced me through this conversation, but I could tell like from the get go, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'll do that because I just shoved it. <laughs> I can't handle rejection. So I'll just shove it and pretend it doesn't exist. <laughs> you know, which was like my coping skill for life. But that's good that you're able to process here. Okay, well, yeah, I did. But you could tell that even a little bit yes. unpacking, I'm like, oh, I carry that crap around my whole life, you know? There's probably a lot of work there to do. And I would probably be less anxious <laughs> if I could actually just process through it instead of just burying it. So I thank you, Melanie. <laughs> we thank you. Yes, dude. Um, so that brings me to one final thing I would say for folks. So if you guys have ideas, if you folks have suggestions for us to explore in a podcast, send us an email. Like send us an email to podcast at mhanational.org. We do actually read them. Um, you know, Teresa and I do speak from our experiences. And when we don't have that experience, we try to loop in others that help us understand the frame. So send us emails, send us your ideas, send us suggestions. And, uh, you know... Today and every day, keep fighting in the open, right? Yes, friends, keep on fighting. Send that good juju to the universe. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>